It's not by chance that you arrived here today. You've been looking for something larger than yourself. Inside of you there is a yearning, a calling, a hope for more, a desire for a place of belonging and caring. Through your struggles, someone nurtured you into being, instilling a belief in a shared purpose, a common yet precious resource that belongs to all of us when we share. And so you began seeking a beloved community, a people that does not put fences around love, a community that holds its arms open to love's possibilities, a heart home to nourish your soul and share your gifts. So welcome home. <coughs> welcome to worship this morning. Good morning everyone and welcome to Essex Church. Welcome to this community of spiritual and religious seekers drawn here from near and far, here in person or listening in later via the podcast. All of us together forming this beloved community known as Kensington Unitarians. Thank you for choosing to be here, for making this your heart home, at least for the next hour, and for making spiritual community a true priority in your life. Our presence and intention is a gift. It does us good to be together. If anyone's here for the first time today, a special welcome to you. I hope you find something in the next hour which speaks to your condition. If not, there's always tea and biscuits afterwards. And if you're a regular, thank you for all you do to welcome everyone else that comes through these doors. Every single one of us plays a part in co-creating this sacred space that we hold for comfort and challenge and for connection for that which is within us and beyond. So whoever you are, however you are, whatever state you woke up in this morning, you are welcome, just as you are. Let's bring our whole selves to this hour. And we've got some words to say together for the chalice light in this morning. If you can find, you can find this little yellow slip in your order of service, I'll give you your cue in a moment. But first, let's light our chalice flame, as we do each week, and as fellow Unitarians do up and down the country, and Unitarian Universalists around the world. This simple ritual connects us in solidarity with progressive people of faith the world over, and reminds us of the historic religious tradition of which we are a part. We are people of all ages who enter this space bringing our joys and concerns. We come together in hope. We greet each other warmly with our voices and our smiles. We come together in peace. We light the chalice to symbolise our interdependence and our unity. We come together in harmony. We share our growth and our aspirations. We come together in harmony. We share our losses and our disappointments. We come together in sorrow. We share our concern and our compassion. We come together in love. We come to this place bringing our doubts and our faith. We come together as seekers. We sing and pray and listen. We speak and read and dream. 
We think and ponder and reflect. We cry and laugh and centre. We mourn and celebrate and meditate. We strive for justice and mercy. We come together in This prayer is based on the words of Martyr Valentin. And perhaps let's take a moment first to get ourselves into the right state of body and mind to pray for a while. To be fully present here and now in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other and that which is larger than us. Spirit of life that abounds and surrounds us. God of all love in whom we live and move and have our being. As we walk our individual paths, in our individual worlds, at our individual pace, we've all been led here this morning to this convocation of human spirits, where we can revel in each other's light, where we can share just how similar our individual paths seem really in a world that so often reflects back the negativity of difference. (coughs) Thank you for your patience as we roam in circles, searching, searching for the holy ground on which we are already standing. The hand we do not notice right beside us, or the face full of love and devotion that we do not recognise as our own. Spirit of this world and beyond, God of our highest aspiration, we strive to keep conscious our interconnections, our interdependence, our trust in one another as humans being human, being loving, being in truth and with compassion. For we know that what we send out to the universe is likely what will return. And so we wish to send our love to restore this broken and wounded world. Let's take a moment now to pause and reflect on our journey. Let us gently acknowledge our own struggles, any difficulties that are weighing heavy on our heart today. Those concerns and challenges we are facing close to home, and the suffering and wickedness we witness in the wider world. Let us silently ask for healing and compassion to emerge in those situations, or perhaps the help and guidance we need to get unstuck and take the next step. Let us also take a moment to remember with gratitude all that is good in our lives today. All that gives us strength and hope, comfort and joy, pleasure and fun, the things we need to flourish and grow. And maybe call to mind just one precious moment from the week just gone. 
Let us silently give thanks for that moment and for all of the manifold everyday blessings that help sustain us on our path. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close now, we offer up our joys and concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. What follows are some ex excerpts from a, a book by Scott Russell Sanders called Staying Put, Making a Home in a Restless World. His reflections on the importance of loyalty to a place, whether that be a particular home or neighborhood or city or, or a place of worship like this, we might reflect on how the spirit of this age and the forces of our global economic system discourage people from settling in a particular place and make it increasingly hard to put down roots the way he has done in Bloomington, Indiana, where, at the time of writing, his family lived in the same house for 20 years. He writes, This book, Staying Put, records my attempt to fashion a life that is firmly grounded in household and community, in knowledge of place, in awareness of nature, and in contact with the source from which all things rise. I aspire to become an inhabitant, one who knows and honours the land. I am always driven by a single desire, that of learning how to be at home. My nation's history does not encourage me or anyone to belong somewhere with a full heart, but I wish to consider the virtue and discipline of staying put. I dwell here in company with my wife and children, my neighbours, the people of my city and with all the creatures that run and root and soar. I desire no home apart from this companionship. Although I have lived in the same region, indeed the same house, for 20 years, I am still discovering what it means to be a citizen. I have lived in one marriage even longer and yet I'm still discovering what it means to be a husband and father. For me, the effort to be grounded in family and community is inseparable from the effort to be grounded in place. The work of belonging to a place is never finished. Loyalty to place arises from our need to be at home on the earth. We marry ourselves to the creation by knowing and cherishing a particular place, just as we join ourselves to the family by marrying a particular man or woman. Of course there is no single right place to live, any more than there is a single right man or woman to marry. And yet, having made my choice, I feel wedded to this house, as I do to my wife and my neighbourhood and my region. To become attached to a woman, sure, and to neighbours, fair enough, and maybe even to the local terrain, 
but to a pile of brick and wood. How has this box come to fit me so exactly? By what alchemy does a house become a home? The short answer is that these walls and floors and scruffy flower beds are saturated with our memories and sweat. Everywhere I look, I see the imprint of hands. Everywhere I turn, I hear the babble of voices. I smell sawdust or bread. I recall bruises and laughter. After nearly two decades of intimacy, the house dwells in us as surely as we dwell in the house. Estate agents offer houses for sale and rent, not homes. A house is a garment, easily put off or on, casually bought and sold, rented, then left behind. A home is skin. Merely change houses and you will be disorientated. Change homes and you bleed. When the shell you live in has taken on the savour of your love, when your drop dwelling has become a taproot, then your house is a home. This reading by Unitarian Universalist minister Alex Klingenberg reflects on the habit we humans sometimes have of making change for the sake of change in our lives and introducing unnecessary drama. She opens with some words from the humanistic psychologist Carl Rogers, who famously said, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I change. Alex Klingenberg continues, when things in my life are unmoored, and emotional vertigo sets in, I like to watch mellow, low-stakes TV, things like The Great British Bake Off and predictable romantic comedies from the 90s. Shows that have essentially no conflict outside of daily challenges help me find my centre and give me something simple that I can count on. One of my great frustrations is when a favourite show decides it's time for a plot twist. <laughs> I can almost imagine the room of writers chatting together and saying, things are getting stale, let's switch things up before we lose our audience. Suddenly the characters I've come to rely on begin to act completely out of character. Places I love burn down, or relationships I cherish fall apart. No! I scream at them from my bed. Sometimes popcorn throwing is involved. I think about this often with regards to congregational life. As a minister, it's easy to believe that what we do is getting stale. It's easy to get bored with our own consistency simplicity and predictability. We get bored with what we're creating, even if it's exactly what our people need. We begin to hold meetings about how we can switch things up, as though we're yelling, plot twist, 
just as someone else's life might be dealing them an unwelcome plot twist of their own. Often, what people need from us is a low conflict, gentle place to land. They need the great British Bake Off, with its gentle humour and scenes of baby lambs, not Games of Thrones. I don't think we should switch things up just to switch things up. I say this with humility. As someone who loves innovation and starting new things, just at the point when you're getting bored, everyone else is beginning to understand what it is you're trying to do. Change must come, and resisting necessary change is detrimental. But we, make that I, need to remember that changes can be powerful, even when they're subtle. When we can gently hold things steady, the changes come instead from within. That's where the real growth happens. Alex Klingenberg concludes with a few words of prayer. She says, Spirit of life and love, may we find a deep and abiding trust in our communities. May we hold what is possible and resist the tides of apathy and fear. May we be held so that each of us can find the ground. May we be ground for those in the swirl. And may we never forget our power to heal through simple presence and love.
moving into a time of meditation now. So you might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding. Have a little wiggle in your chair and get as comfortable as you can. Perhaps put your feet on, your, on the floor. You might want to focus on the candles or close your eyes. I'm going to share a, a poem to lead us into a time of silence. It's my all-time favourite, Tree, by Solveig von Schultz, a Finnish poet of the 20th century. It's something I, I think that's got a message about rootedness and motion. After those words, we'll have a few moments of shared stillness and silence, which will be ended with a chime from our bell. As ever, you are free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. There's nothing for it but to be more tree. Make peace with the soil, the ever-changeless soil. Changeless, the stones, the gravel, changeless. Forever nailed to this, immobility. Be moved in the tree's direction, deeper down. Can a tree that loves the gale become a gale? A tree can do nothing but wear out its crown. Be shaken by visions, shot through with burning cries. The nailed down tree roaring, born to tree, thrusts its longing inwards in tree form. The dark shadowed one grows broader Broad, the column pushes down and with no fear of height sings its leaf heart greater towards the clouds. Rest for all travellers, safety for birds and seeds, always in motion deep in its innermost wood. There's nothing for it but to be more tree. Our theme for the past month for September has been moving on and staying put. And the last few Sundays have been mostly given over to considering the joys of movement, considering what we can learn from travelling or going on pilgrimage 
or willfully wandering, following the way of the open road. Reflecting on times in our lives when we have mostly voluntarily upped sticks, walked away, left the familiar behind and sought a change of scene. A few weeks ago, Janine spoke about another scenario, those times when people move on or are moved on against their will. Those whose freedom to choose is constrained by economic and political factors. And of course, we heard about that in the candles today. And that's the backdrop of this sermon. Today, we're going to think about it in a different way and consider the virtues of staying put. Those times when we make a positive choice not to move, to stay in one place, to put down roots in one home or community or job instead of actively seeking novelty, change, or as Alex Klingenberg put it, another plot twist. This is something which seems increasingly countercultural in a society which, shaped by the demands of global capitalism, discourages us at every turn from developing lasting ties. I don't know about you, but the last few years have brought a few more changes and plot twists than I bargained for both at a personal and a political level. It's been a very unsettling time. And in times like these, I particularly value those things which are constant, reliable and stable in life. Personally, my home and my neighbourhood are of huge significance to me. It's almost part of me. I've lived in the same council house on the Isle of Dogs since I was five. Well, it might have been four, because I remember my fifth birthday party there. That's one of my first memories. I am thoroughly rooted in that place. My dad, his dad and his dad were all born on the island, as we call it, all within walking distance of where I still live. Dad's childhood best friend, Brian, still lives just a couple of blocks up the road. Each weekday morning, Brian, in his 80s, gets up early to pick up a copy of the free paper, the Metro, from the local station and put it through our letterbox before Dad gets up. The two of them, say both in their 80s, they are effectively the keepers of the local history. They know how everyone's related to each other, and not in a way that is unwelcoming to the new people that arrive, but the span of their memory is, is a treasure. I know London being what it is, rents and house prices being what they are, gentrification having pushed people to the fringes in all senses of that word, and truly affordable social housing being shamefully scarce, that this is a pretty unusual state of affairs these days. Few people now get to put down roots in the way that we have. I'm lucky. The world of work has changed too for many, becoming ever more insecure with short-term and zero-hours contracts, requiring people to relocate frequently as they go where the jobs are, if they, if they can get them. If you're in work, there's a pressure to constantly seek promotion, to change things up for the sake of your CV. People can be penalised for, or just prevented from, sticking in one role and making it their own. There's a constant churn as people come and go and we know this really well in this congregation, staying put in London, at least, is no longer the norm. And just to be clear, this and this whole service is not saying we all should stay put, just that moving on is not inherently more virtuous than staying put, though the world seems to push us into this constant motion. 
it also seems to me that many of the spiritual messages we often hear emphasise the importance of embracing change, cultivating non-attachment, and not clinging to things or people or places. It can sometimes seem there's a spiritual imperative not only to go with the flow, but to actively seek change. Sometimes I end up wondering if I'm going to be judged as spiritually failing somehow for being so attached to a particular place, particular people, a certain community, or the comfort of familiar surroundings, regular habits and rituals. Alex Klingenberg, in the reading that Janine did for us, uh, she gave us a couple of hints as to how our church communities and our congregations might help us deal with this tension between moving on and staying put. First off, just by belonging to a particular congregation, which in itself belongs to a larger religious tradition, we are in a sense putting down roots, claiming a bit of regularity, making ourselves a heart home. Even if the rest of our life is full of more change, more plot twists than we would have chosen or more than we think we can handle, turning up at church week in, week out at least gives us some stability. And secondly, it's this sense of safety and security and regularity that this might give us, which quite paradoxically can often provide the platform for inner change and growth, as she puts it. It's easy as church leaders to get bored with our own consistency, simplicity and predictability, even if it's exactly what people need. I don't think we should switch things up just to switch things up. When we can gently hold things steady, the changes come instead from within. That's where the real growth happens. End quote. Even if, in some sense, we stay put, we stick it out with a particular place or community or tradition, there's no escaping movement and change, inner and outer, that will come to us unbidden, whether we like it or not. And there's another notable historic spiritual figure we can turn to for support in this matter, St Benedict. One of the three vows which Benedictine monks make when they follow the rule of St Benedict is a vow of stability. For them, stability means picking one monastery and sticking to it, rejecting the temptation to constantly run onwards in search of some mythical, perfect community that probably doesn't exist. In other words, staying put. The Catholic writer Colin O'Brien has this insight on what stability brings to the life of a Benedictine. He writes, The freedom that stability provides not only encourages but necessitates change, growth and conversion. An analogy for this is to think of the monk as being like a tree rather than a rock. The monk is planted within a community, in a particular place, the monastery. In order to flourish, however, he must grow and adapt to the way of life of the community and he must continue to grow as the other members of the community grow. He is not a rock that is placed there unchanging. Stability paradoxically encourages change. End quote. And for me, this echoes the tree poem we heard in the meditation earlier. The tree is rooted, grounded in a particular place, immobile, yet it is blown and shaken by gales, visited by birds and travellers. It is always growing, moving within, going deeper and flourishing. And this also echoes the hymn, Spirit of Life, with its refrain, Roots hold me close, wings set me free. Perhaps each of us just has to find that balance for ourselves, between rootedness and freedom. In an article entitled In Praise of Staying Put, Benedictine Stability in Today's World, 
The Episcopalian minister, Sarah Perrier, reflects on some of the spiritual dividends of greater stability of place. She writes, As I've got older, I've found it increasingly exhausting to reinvent all of the patterns and habits of my daily life in a new space over and over again. In fact, having to do so has been an obstacle in my spiritual life. So much of my energy has been taken up figuring out a new space, a new home, a new neighbourhood and city, a new energy that might otherwise be spent deepening my muscle memory of repeatedly turning to prayer in the same place. Surely I am in some way the poorer for having my attention divided by all this activity and movement. End quote. So I wonder if there are ways in which each of us could cultivate greater stability in our lives. Ways in which we could feel more rooted, more at home in the world, more of a sense of belonging. Maybe we could think about the place where we live, the particular place, or a place where we might hope to settle. Maybe it's not where we live right now, but a place of origin we are connected to and return to from time to time. Maybe it's a community, perhaps this congregation or another group you belong to, where you've decided to stay put, make a commitment and give your life some rhythm and regularity. On the front of your order of service there's a short but powerful quotation from Simone Weil. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognised need of the human soul. So as this short reflection comes to a close, I'm going to invite you to take a moment to ponder your own personal sense of rootedness. Where do you already feel rooted? Or where would you like to put down roots? Maybe a geographic place, maybe a community or a group. Interpret this as broadly as you like. I hope you were all given a pen or a pencil as you came in. Perhaps you have one already tucked away. On the back of your little yellow slip of paper, there should be a post-it note in the shape of a tree. And at some point in the remainder of the service, I invite you to write something on this post-it note which reminds you of your own personal sense of rootedness, which affirms the places and ways in which you've already chosen to stay put, the sources of stability in your life. Or if you don't feel particularly rooted at the moment, and that sort of stability is something you're seeking right now, perhaps you could write something on the tree to denote a place or a way in which you might choose to stay put, to put down roots. As I say, please interpret the question in whichever way you see fit. And when you're done, I encourage you to tuck that little tree in your bus pass or your purse or your wallet, somewhere that you'll see it from time to time in the days to come. And in the week ahead, whatever changes and, yes, plot twists that life may throw at us next, may we each tune in to that sense of rootedness and stability whenever we can in hope and trust it may give us the courage to face the days to come. Amen. Go in peace. Hold in your heart the certainty that the spirit of life is with you always. When your heart is torn asunder, or when you soar with sweet joy, whether you put down roots or you keep on rolling, You are never alone, never apart from the one that resides within us, that guides our lives and cherishes us always. Take comfort, friends. Blessed be. Amen.